An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes in a Nissan Pathfinder, search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show where we talk about the decentralized revolution each and every week. Talking about the way the world is changing, of course, as we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And there's no shortage of things to talk about as the world is moving really, really fast. Of course, maybe, man, all three are just so important. That's why we talk about all three. But we're witnessing uh, the first sovereign debt crisis in about 100 years. And so this super inflated, you know, debt bubble is collapsing. Of course, the Federal Reserve is uh, restricting the monetary supply by raising rates. Um, They came off of their easing, their monetary easing program to do monetary tightening. And it's causing problems all over the world in every area from, uh, yeah, from politics, (laughs) like where now people can't afford their debt. And so we want, you know, the president wants to forgive student loans. And now we need to uh, raise taxes. And then we have to offset people's expensive energy bills. Um, So yeah, politics, and of course, finance, where we have the stock markets crashing, uh, the cryptocurrency markets are crashing. And then of course, we have technology, which is trying to kind of offset and change all this. And it is a wild world. If you just tune it in, uh, thank you. Make sure to tune in with me each and every week at the same time, at the same channel. You can put a reminder in your phone so you don't miss out. And of course, always feel free to catch me on the podcast. If you miss me, just search Mark Moss on your favorite podcast player. All right, so uh, we have been talking about, for a good part of this year, I mean, we talk a lot about well, all three of those topics, but of course, the financial markets have been in turmoil, and specifically the cryptocurrency markets have been in turmoil. Uh, going back until about May of this year, May of 2022, uh, where we saw, you know, really things start taking a turn for the worse. Of course, November of 2021 was kind of the high water mark for cryptocurrencies. That's where Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera, had their, their, their all-time highs. And of course, That is when the Federal Reserve said that they were going to start raising rates. Now, the Federal Reserve is not trying to sneak up on anybody. A lot of times people, or a lot of people, I should say, are spending a lot of time trying to figure out what the Fed is going to do next, what they're going to, what they're really saying. They're trying to read between the lines, so to speak, trying to guess what they're doing. But the central banks, the Federal Reserve is not trying to trick you. 
They're not trying to sneak up on you. As a matter of fact, they're trying to tell us well in advance what they're doing so we can all be prepared for this. And so all you got to do is watch, <laughs> watch their news press releases, you know, watch their meetings, look at the, the notes, the minutes that come out after that, and they're telling you, all right? So they told us back in November that they were going to start raising rates and going into quantitative tightening. Now, if you haven't been following along, if we just rewind the clock a little bit more, you remember in 2020, specifically March of 2020, the entire world stopped, or more specifically, uh, the, the governments of the world shut the world down, uh, specifically shutting down businesses, closing businesses, uh, firing workers, and so much more over this whole pandemic situation. Um, and so when that happened, of course, businesses that have been in business for decades, multiple decades, multiple family generations were literally forced to close out of business. And so when the economy screeches to a halt, uh, then earnings go down. So then you would expect stocks to go down, which is exactly what happened. The stock markets crashed at, a, at an alarming pace, it dried up all the liquidity, and everything just froze up, of course, because they shut it down. And of course, then the Federal Reserve had to leap into action and start injecting money, injecting liquidity to get the markets moving back again. And then um, the reason why I, I kind of go backwards into that story, because then the Federal Reserve, which is doing this monetary easing, which is lowering interest rates. Remember, when they lower interest rates, people take on more debt. Money is created through debt. So it's not like the Fed pumps in more dollars. They create, uh, they lower interest rates. We take on more debt, buy houses, cars, boats, etc. And as that money's created into the ecosystem, it starts sloshing around inside of there. And then uh, the reason why I go back to that, like I said, is because the Fed said, um, you know, we're not thinking about raising rates. Then he came out like a month later and said, we're not even thinking about thinking about raising rates. And what that did is that forecast to the markets that, hey, the Fed's going to hold this easy monetary policy for a while. Let's go. Let's run this thing up. And of course, financial assets caught a bid. You saw houses jumping uh, through, through to new all-time highs, all the stocks making new all-time highs, um, you know, couldn't get cars, cryptocurrencies, et cetera. And so when they forecast to the market that game on, <laughs> let's go, uh, things took off. And then, of course, like I said, in November, they said, hey, we're going to start pulling back. And so first, we saw cryptocurrency start selling off. So Bitcoin and Ethereum made their all-time high right after that announcement and started selling off. About a week or two later, I don't have the exact chart in front of me. A week or two later, we saw the NASDAQ, which is the tech stocks, start selling off. Um, and then um, I think it was January of 2022 when the S&P 500 started set, um, selling off. And then, of course, finally, the Fed came through with what they said they were going to do. In March of 22, uh, they actually did start raising rates. Now, the reason why that's important to what I'm going to say is because this has set off this entire um, chain reaction of market crashes. And we'll talk about the cryptocurrency space, but it, that's where it started. And the reason why is because <laughs> when, when the Fed puts more dollars into the ecosystem, things take off. And when they <laughs> suck them out, everything crashes. Some things are more susceptible to others. So the more riskier the assets, they go up faster, they crash faster. The more old, secure, stable assets go up less and slower, and they also fall less and slower. The problem that we also have is that 
as these markets take off so fast, the problem is how do we how do we keep up with that? You and I, as earners, you know, we're we're working for our wages. We're trying to save them, but prices are going up so fast. We're getting priced out of homes. We, we're getting priced out of the cars we want to buy. We can't go out to eat or take vacations anymore. How do we keep up with that? And so, in order to keep up with that, we have to also take on more risk. And then we start using things like leverage. So a lot of people were leveraging their assets, and that looks really good when things are going really good and you grow much faster. But then when things go bad, unfortunately, you unravel much faster. And so what we saw is in the cryptocurrency space, in, in the financial space, founders, investors, etc., used massive amounts of leverage in order to grow. And so they look like geniuses. They looked, they looked amazing, like Sam Bankman-Fried from FTX. Within three years, he built this $30 million company because he took the most risk, he gambled the most, he used the most leverage, he looked like a genius until everything came crumbling down. And that's exactly what happened. And so we saw in um, about May of 2022, after things had been starting to wind down, we saw potentially maybe the first really, really, really big domino to go down, which was the stablecoin Terra Luna. We've covered it at length. If you want to figure that out, go back into the archives back into about May. You can see me talking about that. But as this algorithmic stablecoin, which was never going to work, I talked about it extensively before, all pegs are meant to be broken. And so, of course, it was going to come down. It just needed the liquidity it needed the right environment to come down. And that's what happened, which then brought down a whole chain reaction, like I said, so we saw that come down. And then we saw, you know, Terra Luna come down and anchor protocol come down. And then we saw Voyager come down and then Celsius come down and on and on and on. And it's finally, it starts with the smaller ones, and then it scales up to bigger, 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 bigger. And then it's now taken down FTX. And now the whole world is taking notice. And I believe that it's doing two things doing two, two big things that you need to be aware of. One, it's showing the differences between Bitcoin and crypto. Why people say Bitcoin, not crypto. It's also, I believe, going to push off a whole wave of regulations that is going to completely change the cryptocurrency landscape. And whether you think so or not, you need to at least understand where I'm coming from because you need to understand the risks. All right. So I got lots to cover. You don't want to miss what I'm going to be talking about. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show talking about how this FTX uh, fiasco will change things moving forward. Don't go away. I'm going to be right back in a minute. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about how the Federal Reserve, by tightening the monetary supply, kicked off an entire uh, domino effect that's rippled through the financial markets, through the cryptocurrency markets, and I believe is going to change the face of the cryptocurrency markets as we know it. And so... Uh, let's keep going here. So as I said, we kind of had this domino effect. Terra Luna went down, which then was Voyager, and then was Celsius, and on and on and on. It starts small, and it gets bigger, 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 bigger. And then FTX, which was the savior. FTX jumped in to bail everybody out, and the media was painting them as the darlings of the space, the savior of the space. They went down. The reason why is because they look like a genius using all this leverage, but the leverage is what unwound them. Now we have this, um, it's brought it to the forefront. It's all over mainstream media. It's on every single news outlet. I've talked about it extensively here. And now it's doing two things. So we're going to talk about one, it's highlighting the big, big difference that Bitcoin and 
Um, generally, cryptocurrencies are not really the same thing at all. And so people are starting to wake up to that. And then the second thing is I believe it's going to really push regulations to the forefront and it's going to change the face of cryptocurrency as we know it. So let's explain or let's explore these two things that I'm talking about here. So the first thing is we'll talk about um, why you might hear me and other people say Bitcoin, not cryptocurrency. And so we're not saying that Bitcoin is not a cryptocurrency, but what we're typically saying is when I'm talking about something, I'm talking about Bitcoin. And it doesn't apply generally to all the other 20,000 cryptocurrencies out there. And so what are we talking about? So first of all, what is cryptocurrency? Well, crypto being short for cryptography, all right? So cryptography is a way to encrypt things, a way to secure things, right? So um, up until, I believe, the 90s, cryptography was illegal. The United States said it was banned. It wasn't allowed to be exported under what they considered munitions. So it was considered uh, like a security, um, U.S. security uh, breach if we would ship that overseas. And so that went all the way to the Supreme Court. I believe it was under a case um, by PGP, pretty good. Uh, I forget the guy's name. I, I didn't prepare this part. I'm, I'm talking off the top of my head. But uh, basically they said, hey, this is cryptography, the the, the the, the uh, Department of Justice brought this suit against him, and it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And when he went to the Supreme Court, he had printed out the code. The code is software. Uh, and they, they printed it out on paper, and then they brought like a stack of paper and put it on the desk. And the Supreme Court's like, well, that's speech. And so that's protected under free speech. And so cryptography has since flourished since then. And Bitcoin was this new technological revolution which used cryptography to secure the transaction. So we can secure our private keys, we can secure our Bitcoin by cryptography. And that way, unless I have the key, no one else can get access to it. So when you hear about like, you know, the government is going to seize your Bitcoin, um, they can't, um, not if it's uh, not unless they can get a hold of your key, your private key, because it's cryptographically secured. So then you call it well, cryptography or crypto, and then currency. So Bitcoin is a lot of things, one of which, maybe the killer application of it is to kind of uh, reinvent money. And so you take money or coins, and then you have cryptography, you get cryptocurrency. Now there's 20,000 other so-called cryptocurrencies, um, and maybe they use some form of cryptography, but they're not all meant to be currencies. So first of all, there's a big difference there. But like I said, we're, t we're typically saying crypto or Bitcoin, and we're talking about Bitcoin specifically and not crypto or cryptocurrency. And so let's dig in a little bit more into that. So the first thing is that Bitcoin is, a, like I said, it was a new, new invention, a technological revolution that gave us a big, big breakthrough. And the breakthrough was instead of having centralized control, centralized databases, we now have decentralized. And so as the internet grew um, from the 90s, um, it was very hard to get on the internet at first. And then in the late 90s, in the early 2000s, when I started my first internet business, it was very hard to start an internet business because you had to run your own server. And so the internet wasn't really going to scale if it was that hard where everyone had to set up their own server. And so we started getting these cloud hosting services. And so then uh, we have Amazon Web Services and Google, et cetera, which allowed us to scale really quickly, but it created these centralized databases. On top of it, you have these companies like Experian, which is a credit reporting agency that runs their own database, or Facebook, et cetera. 
But the problem is, is they control those databases. Your bank, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, et cetera, runs a database that keeps track of all their customers' accounts and deposits, right? And so um, those are centrally. Now, if Wells Fargo wanted to, they could say, well, Mark, you don't have money in your account anymore. Uh, or the U.S. could just see, you know, tell them to freeze your account. Um, it happens all the time when you don't pay your taxes, for example. They could freeze your accounts or just take money out of your accounts. And so whoever controls that database, or we'll call it a ledger, has control. But what Bitcoin did is it allowed us to have a decentralized database or have thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of databases that so each person could control their own database as opposed to one single entity. That was the revolution, decentralization, all right? The problem is that that was the big trend, that was the big breakthrough, that was the big revolution, and a lot of these other cryptocurrencies have jumped on to try to pretend like they have that, but they haven't been able to achieve it. All right, so that is the big difference here. Now, some of the big differences uh, that we would say would be um, sort of like, I, I used the illustration on my YouTube channel um, talking about how just because things sound similar doesn't mean they are. So we could look at, uh, I, I use the example of like Beyond Meat, which was this uh, big darling. It was gonna, gonna make meat healthier, um, but instead they have like 20 or 30 ingredients, which many of them are very, very unhealthy for you, uh, containing heavy amounts of seed oils and things like that. And so you might say, well, Beyond Meat is like meat, but meat is just supposed to be like from an animal, it's just one ingredient, right? It's just a cow. So Beyond Meat isn't really meat, uh, we might also say gold. Gold is a form of metal, but it's a lot different. It has chemical, different chemical mineral uh, breakdown of aluminum or steel or chromoly or uh, platinum, palladium, silver, etc. Right. So gold, they're all metals, but it's different. And so Bitcoin is just different than all the other cryptocurrencies. One of the big things is that Bitcoin was created it's a piece of, as a piece of software. It, the software was released into the public for people to go run. And the Bitcoin was not created by a single issuer. As a, anybody can go get a computer, plug into the software, and can create Bitcoin for themselves today, just like they could from the very beginning. Unlike most of the cryptocurrencies, in in, including your favorite top big ones, the, the number two, Ethereum, you know, top 10, uh, Cardano, uh, those coins were created by a group of founders who enriched themselves and kept a good majority of those coins. And then they released it open to the public. All right. So there's a big difference. Um, there was no Bitcoin had no issuer. So it's that's why the SEC considers it a commodity, which we'll get more into the regulatory part in a little bit. All right. Now, the other thing that we need to understand that makes Bitcoin a lot different than the other 20,000 cryptocurrencies is what backs it. All right. Now, a lot of people will say, well, what backs cryptocurrency? What gives it value? So I want to talk about that. So I want to go through uh, more. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the FTX blow up and how it's going to change the cryptocurrency space overall. I'm highlighting some of the differences between Bitcoin and the rest of cryptocurrency. And then we're going to talk about the regulations and how the whole industry will change. I got a lot to cover. You don't want to miss it. I'll be back with more in a minute. So don't go away. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about how the financial system started melting down. It created a collapse in the crypto industry. The collapse of FTX brought a bunch of things to the forefront and how it's changing the cryptocurrency space. 
probably for good. All right, so I'm highlighting some of the differences between Bitcoin and crypto, and then we'll talk about how the FTX and what I think regulations will come and how that will change. So uh, going back to Bitcoin, what we were talking about, how it's just different. And the reason why it's different is because, or understanding why it's different leads to the next part, which is the regulatory side of things. And so commodities are typically things brought from the ground that could be uh, brought from the ground anywhere in the world, and they would all be fungible. So if I bought a piece of dirt in Iowa or in Kenya, Africa, or in the Ukraine, with that dirt, I could grow wheat. And it didn't matter where I grow that wheat in the world, wheat is wheat. So anyone can go buy dirt, uh, grow wheat, and wheat's the same. I could go buy a piece of dirt and I could mine for gold in Mexico or in Africa, and doesn't matter, the gold is still gold. I could buy a piece of dirt and, and uh, drill for oil, whether in California or Saudi Arabia, and the oil is oil. And anybody can go buy the land and mine for the gold or the oil or, for the, or grow the wheat, and it's all the same. And so Bitcoin is the same, where anybody can go buy a computer, plug it into the network, and they could bring Bitcoin into the ecosystem. So it's a commodity. There's no central issuer. Nobody issued oil, wheat, or gold, and nobody's issuing Bitcoin either. The difference with other cryptocurrencies is that they do have an issuer. So the t your, your favorite uh, cryptocurrencies have all been pre-mined. So about 70% of all the Ethereum in existence was pre-mined. So when they created it, they created the tokens and gave them to themselves and their investors, which was themselves. Um, yes, Cardano. Yes, XLM. Yes, Ripple. They were all pre-mined. Ripple, XRP was 100%. So 100% of the Ripple was created by the team that invented it and used to make themselves filthy, filthy rich. And so that's one of the big differences that you have to understand. Now, when it comes to these regulations, like I said, uh, FTX kind of sat in this kind of they think it's a gray area. Uh, I don't think it's a gray area. There's this gray area. The SEC is like, well, it's a it's a Bahamas corporation. Well, they were founded in the U.S. They transferred to the Bahamas. They're U.S. citizens, and they built U.S. citizens out of money. It's never really stopped the U.S. from uh, reaching their long arm of the law and regulating it. Anyway, uh, so maybe there's a little bit of a gray area, but I think because we're talking about tens of billions of dollars that have been lost. We're talking about millions of Americans that have lost, some of them lost everything. It's really bringing this conversation of regulations to the forefront. The SEC, Securities Exchange Commission, so there's two regulatory bodies really that kind of fall into this. There's the SEC, Securities Exchange Commission, which is supposed to regulate securities, as in their name, Securities Exchange. So they're exchanging of securities, issuing and exchanging of securities. And then there's the CFTC, which is the commodities futures, all right? So some of these uh, assets kind of fall between here. So Bitcoin has been the only digital asset out of the 20,000 or so cryptocurrencies. It's been the only one that has been declared a commodity. And that's because, as I said, there was no central issuer, no one making decisions on the network, et cetera. All right, but all the other ones, it hasn't been clear. Now, I believe that, uh, that it's allowed them to operate in this gray area that's allowed um, these problems like FTX to get bigger, bigger, bigger. But now it's in the forefront, uh, and people are going to demand action. The SEC looks horrible in this situation. Their only role, the whole point of the organization, 
why they're there is to protect consumers from exactly this. In my opinion, they should probably just disband. Look, I am not here. I'm not here. I just want to make it very clear. I am not pro-regulation. As a matter of fact, I think we should be able to do whatever we want with our money. If I want to go gamble in Vegas or I want to spend it all on lottery tickets or I want to buy crypto tokens, that's up to me. It's my money, and I should be able to do that. I don't, I don't believe I need the nanny state of the government to protect me. I think I should be smart enough to make my own decisions. But that's what I think. The reality is we do have a regulatory body called the SEC. And the reality is they are there and their role is supposed to, to protect us. They've done an absolutely horrible job and they're disgraced. And Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, should probably step down and apologize. Um, nevertheless, I think that uh, with this egg on their face, so to speak, they're going to be forced to up their game. They're going to be forced to stand up. Uh, we have lawmakers, Elizabeth Warren, uh, you know, parading around um, – you know, uh, the Capitol saying, we need to enforce this. We need to, you know, step this up. And so I believe they're going to have to. So what does that mean? Well, like I said, they've been very clear. The SEC has been very clear that Bitcoin is a commodity. But what about the other 20,000? And so we want to take a look at that. And um, when it comes to that, when it comes to the securities, can't, could Ripple, could XRP become a security? Could Ethereum become a security? Now, we don't know. And it's not for me to decide. It's for, it's for the SEC to decide. However, uh, I'm going to tell you that there is a, there's something called the Howey test. Now, the Howey test has four basic questions. Um, it gets a little more complex. There's like 38 points underneath them. But, but for, the, for the most part, there's four. And the Supreme Court established these four criteria to determine whether an investment contract, contract exists. An investment contract is, one, an investment of money. So you've put money in. Two, into a common enterprise. Three, with the expectation of profit. And four, to be derived from the efforts of others. So there's four, all right? Now, if you want to ask about Ethereum or Cardano or XRP or any of these other ones, those are the four questions that the Supreme Court uh, defined that the SEC would con con consider these things. Now, there is a lawsuit that's been uh, going on for a long time between the SEC and Ripple XRP. And so we'll see how that shakes out. Now, that's going to be uh, probably going to be used as precedence for pretty much the rest of the entire cryptocurrency space. Although we've had just a, another one come out recently for this library token. Um, and the SEC clearly said it, it is a security. They tried to fight it. And the SEC said, no, it is clearly a security. And I think that sets precedence. The way, the way the law works is that when a court rules on something, it sets this precedence. And so that kind of says, and actually library came out after the, the ruling and said, hey, look, this sets a very dangerous precedence for the rest of the industry. And I think it does. Now, the XRP, the Ripple XRP, is also going to be an even bigger precedent. I believe that is supposed to come out maybe Q1 of next year. So within the next, you know, six months or less, we should know where the SEC sits on that. But just ask yourself, an investment of money. So when people buy cryptocurrencies, are they doing it? Are they investing their money into it? Do they buy that expecting it to go up in value? And of course, the answer is yes. Pretty much every token is bought because people think they can sell it for more later. 
And then number two would be in a common enterprise. So we could take uh, Ethereum, for example. Um, there's Vitalik Buterin and the Ethereum Foundation, uh, which are steering the direction of Ethereum. As a matter of fact, they've changed the entire consensus mechanism just recently. They changed the monetary issuance a couple of times in the last couple of years. So uh, there's a group of people that are steering this. It's a common enterprise. Uh, three, like I said, with an expectation of profit. So first is an investment of money. Yes, they put money in. Three, with an expectation of profit. I believe if you polled 100 uh, or 1,000 cryptocurrency investors, I mean, we even used the word investor, they bought it because there was an expectation of profit. They thought it would be worth more later. And then four, to be derived from the efforts of others. And so, like I said, in the group of Ethereum, uh, they have the foundation, they have the steering committee. They literally just changed the entire consensus mechanism, so the efforts of others. I think it's pretty clear. Now, um, I think what people don't understand is what happens if they crack down on these regulations. And that's what I want to talk about next. I put out a big, uh, I put out a Twitter post and it had a lot of miscommunication. I want to clarify that. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show, we're talking about how the entire cryptocurrency space is about to change. Don't go away. I'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to the Mark Moss Show, and we are talking about um, the cryptocurrency space blowing up and how I believe regulations are going to come in and change everything. And I think a lot of people haven't really thought this through. So I put out a Twitter post um, and I said that if I think, I, I believe regulations are going to come in and I believe it will change the entire trajectory of the, of the cryptocurrency space. I said that I think we might have seen the last cryptocurrency bull run. Now, it's very clear to say crypto, not Bitcoin. All right, so there's a big distinction. We already talked about that. If you've missed that part, go back and listen to the podcast where I kind of broke that down a little bit. Or um, I've made some very long-form videos with a lot of details on my YouTube channel. You can go search Mark Moss on YouTube and find those as well. But like I said, so many people lost so much money with the FTX uh, they're, they have now, you know, these meetings on Capitol Hill and regulations are coming. The SEC uh, failed to do its only job, which is protect people. And they are going to have to step this up. But what does it mean? Well, like I said, uh, Bitcoin's already been deemed a commodity, but everything else is at risk here. And so when I said uh, if, 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 and I believe they will uh, crack down with regulations, then I think we've seen the last crypto bull run. And when I say the last crypto bull run, what I mean is where the entire cryptocurrency market cap just goes to the moon, like it did in 2017, like it did in 2021 again. I think that's over. I think where you can just kind of close your eyes and just buy any board ape or, you know, JPEG or DeFi contract or whatever, and just make a bunch of money. I think that's over. Now, does that mean that... Um, there won't ever be another one that will go up in value? No, it certainly doesn't. And a lot of people uh, really pushed back. It was actually, I think I had like six, 700 comments on this Twitter post, which by the way, if you're not following me on Twitter, check it out. It's just the number one at the number one, just at one Mark Moss. Um, but anyway, uh, a lot of people were like, oh, you don't understand, uh, Mark. You, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, if the SEC cracks down, it will just go offshore. Okay, yeah. They said, you don't understand, Mark. Uh, the SEC can't stop innovation. Yeah, okay. I agree with both of those statements. So it's not that I don't understand. I think you don't understand or those people don't understand. And so what happens is uh, if the SEC cracks down, yes, it will push some offshore. And yes, um, and yes, we'll still have innovation. But what will change is that these cryptocurrency companies, a lot of people say, well, they'll just pay the fine and just move on. 
It's not that easy. Because if they want to comply with security laws, yes, they'll have to pay a big fine for sure. But two, then they're going to have to file as security. They're going to have to file S1s. They're going to have to uh, they're going to have to disclose everything. So like in Ethereum's case, for example, they're going to have to disclose who the founders are, how many tokens they have. They're going to have to disclose um, who the insiders are, who the management team is, what, what the pre-mine was, who kept the tokens. They're going to have to disclose um, what related parties there are. What's the relationship between uh, Vitalik Buterin and Joseph Lubin? What about the Ethereum Foundation? Um, you know, what insider trading or insider selling happened? Uh, what other controls and interests they may have between the companies? What risks may be there? They'll have to disclose all of that, and I don't think they're going to want to. I don't think any, or I, I don't want to say any, I don't think most of these cryptocurrency projects will want to disclose that. The whole point is that they did the ICO, the initial coin offering, the altcoin offering, because they didn't want to do all that. So it's not just as easy as they'll just pay the fine and they'll just move on. No, 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 no. They'll be forced to comply. It could take years and millions of dollars to do it. But ultimately, I don't think they're going to want to disclose that information and even if they did, they disclosed all that information and they were legally able to get away with what they're doing, um, and they disclosed all that, then I think everybody would look at that and go, well, wait a minute. Basically, what I've just bought is a software company or a payment company or a supply chain company or a video game company. And why am I buying this video game company or software company over this video game or software payment company? So it's going to change the game. Now, does that mean it goes away? No, it doesn't mean it goes away. Does it mean some goes offshore? Sure. But you also have to understand how the industry worked. And I've talked about this before. I read, uh, I read actually directly from Sam Bankman-Fried's interview that he gave uh, in about May of this year with Matt Levine. Uh, I believe it was on Bloomberg. And he basically explained that you create this protocol. You, he calls it a box. You create this just generic box and you say that it's going to change the world and you create this token and then you trade the token to create this, this value. And everybody wants it because you've made it look like there's like it's valuable. But what really plays into that game is venture capitalist. And this is a key piece here that most people just don't understand. Maybe they just don't understand how the system works. And so venture capital is where an investor invests into a new venture, typically like an early round, like an angel investor. And so imagine like Uber in Silicon Valley a decade ago or whatever, right? And so, hey, do you want to invest into my startup? Okay, what's it going to do? Well, it's going to change the world in this way. And here's how much money I'm trying to raise. And the way venture capitalists work is they typically start a, a fund, a venture capital fund, and a bunch of people put money into this fund. And this fund might go invest into, say, 15 different projects. And that fund locks up that money typically seven to 10 years. And the reason why is it takes seven to 10 years for these companies to get big enough to be worth anything. And these venture capitalists know that the majority of them are probably never going to be worth anything, uh, but some of them will hit really, really big. And those investors that put that money into that fund have that money locked up. The only way they get that money back is some sort of a liquidity event. So one... Uh, one of those companies would go public, go through the IPO process and go public. And then those, those early investors could eventually sell their stock publicly. Or two, maybe one of those companies gets bought out 
and that creates a liquidity event. Otherwise, that money's locked up. But venture capitalists love these crypto, this crypto space because there's instant liquidity. So they're pumping money in, and they get tokens in return, and they can go and dump these tokens, some, some of them almost immediately. And they might make a 2x, a 5x, a 10x, a 50x on their investments immediately and still have more upside with the tokens they have left over. So the venture capitalists love this, which is why it's brought in hundreds of millions of dollars of venture capital so they can make their 2, 5, 10, 50x by dumping on your head on retail. And so then they spend a lot of money in marketing, slick marketing and media, put it all over the place. You see all this news about all these tokens going higher, 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 higher in value so they can get you to buy them so they can dump them on you and then they all become worthless. So if you understand that's how it works, which again, is how it works. I got the receipts if you want to check out my YouTube videos. Um, and the SEC cracks down, could they go offshore? Yes, and they probably will. But most countries also have some sort of regulations as well, so they're going to have to navigate that. But more importantly, why I think we may not have another bull run is because of the venture capitalists. They're U.S.-based. Now, they love this because, like I said, they can get instant liquidity by dumping on your head. But if all this goes offshore, they won't be able to go participate because these ICOs happening offshore specifically cannot include U.S. investors. So they may go offshore to some small little country that they can get around these security laws, but the investors won't go with them. So does it stop them from going offshore? No. Does it stop the innovation? Certainly not. But what it does stop is hundreds of billions of dollars of, of U.S.-based venture capital money from going in, which then influences the media and the marketing and you and allows them to dump on your head. And that's why I think if these regulations go through, uh, which I think is the most likely case, um, I think it ends the crypto bull run as we know it. Now, you may not like that. You've been taught, you've been told that these are life-changing protocols by these venture capitalists that have spent a lot of money on this. But as someone who studied this for over seven years, published over a thousand pages of research, I can tell you this is exactly how it works. And that's why I think it can change, but I could be wrong. I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up on uh, social media, on Twitter, or Instagram, at one Mark Moss, and let me know what you think. Am I wrong? And if so, why? Don't just tell me I'm wrong. I'd like to hear why um, you think that. That's what I think. I'm, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. If you missed me, check me out on the podcast. Just search Mark Moss on your favorite podcast player for the recap of this. And that's what I got. Thanks for listening. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. 
You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to. Oh, uh, mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, mom.